back with Jen Tardy, and we are here to answer more of your questions on career success. So Jen, let's jump right into it. All right, let's do it. All right, the first question we have is, what is the key to answering the question, what are your weaknesses? <laughs> so, so I like that question. I really like to look at weaknesses that serve as strengths for the organization. Here's an example. If someone asked me that question, and this is real, this is real for me, that uh, that sometimes it's hard for me to stop and smell the roses. I tend to um, to meet one deliverable, move on to the next deliverable, move on to the next deliverable. And I, I just keep crushing it, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but the reason why I look at it as a weakness for me is because I need to make sure that I'm also focused on celebrations and life and being present, right? And so I am learning to become more present, to celebrate my wins. I am That is the space in which I'm growing today. But if you're on the receiving end of that as the employer, you're looking at it as like, yeah, Jennifer is a machine. She can, she can crush deliverables. She gets it done. She doesn't stop. She doesn't slow down. So that's an example of a weakness that is, an, as, that is a genuine weakness for you, but it could be a strength for the organization because they're going to get that side of you as you're working to work on balancing on your end. I like that. Okay. Um, let's see. Ooh, how do we properly negotiate salary? Yeah. So the easiest way to share that is, um, hmm, I have a, I have a video. Uh, so we have a YouTube channel called career success. Mm-hmm. And one of the, we have a couple of videos around salary negotiation. One of the videos that we have is, Oh, I've seen it. Oh. <laughs> I know. We'll make sure we put that in the episode notes as well. Has anyone ever told you you should be a podcaster? <laughs> people. Thank you. Thank you. It's so awesome. Okay. So, um, so we have one video that talks about your worth and, and one of the misconceptions that I have to clear up with people is that your worth is connected to, I'm going to say this at a very high level. A lot of people will say, pay me my worth. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I, and I like to uncouple that conversation because if we're using the term worth, that is that is tied to the type of role that you go into, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the pay is associated to that specific role. And so if you want someone to, if you want to even start the conversation around pay me my worth, focus on what, what positions you're looking for. And then the worth of that position. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, um, and I'll I'll bring it together, but I'm going to switch gears, but I'm going to bring it back together. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people enter those conversations of, you know, I think I feel, I believe, I think that I deserve more. I feel like, you know, I could, I need to get more money. I believe that I'm being underpaid, that type of thing. I don't want people to enter any conversation negotiating around, I think I feel, I believe. I want people to come in with data. Um, and the data looks like this. <clears throat> uh, in, in looking at market data by way of salary.com or LinkedIn has a know your worth tool. No, it's Glassdoor that has a know your worth tool and LinkedIn has a salary tool. So three different places, 
that I'm sharing with you up front. But you can look at someone in this specific role in your region, how much are they earning? And then you take that data and you share it with, hey, I love this opportunity. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for me. I really want to work at this organization. My only concern is in order for me to take this position, it, it, um, the data shows that I'm going to be lagging behind what my peers are making in this market to do the same work. Is there any way that I can get closer to what the market is paying for this position? See, now you're leading with data. You can hide behind data you want to. So especially those within your audience who may feel intimidated about negotiating your salary, hide behind the data. Let the data speak for itself and then yeah. go from there. Okay. Uh, how, how, to talk, how do you talk about raises and promotions? In the same way. Um, okay. And so it's, it's hmm. so to answer that question, it's in the same way as you're negotiating salary in general. Start lead with data. And if I stay in, I love this role, but if I stay in this role, my fear is that I'm going to fall behind my peers who are doing the same work in, in this market. But what I do want to talk about, since we're talking about promotions, is um, I really want to talk to my loyal, like the, the people who are loyal to employers. Because um, what tends to happen, especially as I'm talking to legends, is when you've been working at the same place, likely in the same role for a long time, if you're really, really good at what you do, people start piling on new work. And before you know it, what you've been hired to do in your role, your your actual functions of your role are very, very different. One of the things, if, if this sort of resonates with you and if this is where you are, I really want you to take a look at what you're spending 80% of your time doing and really writing that out. And then asking yourself, is this the current job title that I have? Are these job duties this job title? And so one of the first things that you can do to get yourself a raise is um, is coming with that data. You know, hey, manager, here's what I'm spending 80% of my time doing. Because we already know 20% is always random things. But here's what I'm spending 80% of my time doing. And, and, um, And this equates to this specific job title. This job title in the market gets paid X amount of money. Is there any way that I can first get the right job title so that then we can have a conversation about making sure the pay matches the title. Okay. Let me just, okay. Let me jump into the next one. Uh, I guess you can read this in a couple of different ways. It says, what is the best way to communicate frustrations? Maybe it has to do with promotions or other things. What is the best way to communicate frustrations to an employer without putting your job on the line? Yeah. I actually have a video that says, how do I tell my boss I'm unhappy? Right. It is. So this is a whole process. And I think that's why I created that that video to begin with. Um, Here's some things that that I want you to think about if this is you. Mm -hmm. Um, First, I want you to just take some time and just just make this exploratory list of all the things that are making you unhappy, disgruntled, um, unsatisfied, all this. Make, just make a full, I mean, just bring some free write, journal it, all of it, just make a full list. I don't care if it all sounds alike or if it sounds similar, right? Make that list, spend two days making that list and then let it, and then just let it sit. Come back to it 24 to 48 hours later with clear eyes and look at this list and say, okay, 
let me see if I can um, match these up. How many of these are very similar things? One of the first things that we run into is that when we are unhappy on the job, we tend to think it's a million things that's making us unhappy, but it's really three categories of things. And it's like all those other little things, they're really depicting these three categories, right? So you have to know for yourself, what is making me feel disgruntled? And, um, and then once you get an idea of, and so let's say you get to your top three things overall. And so now you know, okay, so this is what's making me unhappy. Then you have to ask yourself, what would make me happy? What would I need to actually see changed to know that now I'm happy again, which is another issue, which is another mistake we all have. We spend so much time and we know that we know that we know what makes us unhappy, but we've never really thought about the other side of it. What would actually make us happy? What would this look like? And so when changes are actually happening, we don't really notice those changes because we haven't really thought about what's going to make us happy. We only know what's making us unhappy. Okay. Right. So that's, that's the second piece. And then when you begin to think about what's going to make me happy, then I want you to think about, well, how can my manager, so first, what can I do to move from point A to point B? And then part two is, what do I need from my manager to move from part A to part B? And so once you get that part, now you're ready to go and actually have a conversation with your manager. Mm-hmm. Do you see all the pre-work, the prerequisites that need to happen yeah. beforehand? And then when you're sitting in there and you're talking to the manager, you're saying, hey, um, I'm, I want to be my best here. But in order to be my best, I, well, I want to be my best here and deliver my best work here are some hurdles that I'm experiencing to getting there. And then you name those three challenges that you're having, right? And then you're saying, um, here's what I'm doing on my end to to work through these challenges so that I can get to B. And here's where I need your support. And then you're asking your manager, um, would you be willing and able to support me from getting to A to B so that I can be my best here and deliver my best work? And there are so many pieces in all of that, mm-hmm. so many pieces in it, right? But what I find where I find people go wrong is that um, they only know what's making them angry. They have no clue what's going to make them happy. They explain to the manager what their grievances are, but they never tell their manager what they need from them to get the work done in a way that is clear to the manager that they are being asked to take action in some way. And that's why things never get fixed. And so it's easy for us to blame our managers for toxic workplaces and stuff, but there's a lot of pre-work and, you know, work in general that we have to do on our end too so that the communication is clear right okay i love that um the next one is what is the proper approach for employers to implement diversity and inclusion without just trying to meet a quota yeah right um and that's a big question too so but i'll, I'll say it in a, in a high level way mm-hmm. One of the the ways in which employers trip themselves up in increasing diversity is that they'll say, they'll go to the recruiting team and they'll say, hey, recruiters, we believe in increasing diversity. We need you all go out and do it. Go out and help us increase diversity, (laughs) right? And then recruiters are like, okay. 
And so they have no clue where to start. They have no clue, you know, where to do this work and, and all of this stuff. And so with one of the first things that I share with employers is that you need to first understand where you're underrepresented, which is a whole conversation in and of itself. And so, but it's understanding in which areas and by which groups are you most underrepresented? And then being able to have a conversation with your recruiters or the people who are on the front lines, like recruiters, hiring teams and hiring managers by saying, here's who are underrepresented. Here's how we, um, here's what increasing diversity looks like. And so we need to create plans and map out strategies for how we wanna become an employer of choice among these particular populations. Um, a sourcing strategy, where are we gonna actually go and source to fill these open positions? Uh, and so you have to have those conversations first in order to really make it work. And I don't think enough workplaces are having those types of conversations. The next one says, where do you, this might tie in, but where do you start when it comes to hiring for a small business? It's kind of a very general, <laughs> but I maybe just pick a, an area you think will. Where, where do you start when hiring for a small business? Um, there are two ways that I'm thinking about this. Uh, and a lot of, it's so easy to forget that when you are a business, a small business starting out, your first thought needs to be, how do I become revenue generating? How do I become revenue generating? Right. And a lot of people are thinking about, oh, well, how do I get business cards and create a website? I'm so stuff. That's not going to make you become, it takes money away from your pockets. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking about what spaces to first hire when you have a small business is what position can I fill today that's going to help me to become revenue generating quickly? Right. I, uh, the second way that I think about this too is I was reading a book, um, We Should All Be Millionaires by, is it Rachel Rogers? I think that's her name. It's an amazing book. Amazing, okay. hands down. We Should All Be Millionaires. And one of the things that she stated in the book, which I loved, was um, oftentimes people think um, when I start earning a certain amount of revenue, then I'll get an assistant. But you need an assistant to start earning certain amounts of revenue. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it blew my mind. And so I tell people this all the time because we keep thinking, oh, I can just be a one person show. I can do all this work on my own. Mm -hmm. There is no way that I would be making the level of revenue that our organization is making today if, if, by being a one woman show. Because there's only so much that I can do as a person. As a matter of fact, like our inbox is on fire. Like, and I tell people constantly that if I didn't have an assistant as amazing as D is, then you D would is think- is so responsive. Isn't she? Shout out to D. <laughs> I, I promise you that if I didn't have, if I didn't have an assistant, people would think my whole business was shut down, that I was just not in service, <laughs> the lights were off, because you wouldn't hear from me. Because I am, my focus is being here with you, having this, you know, talking through, answering these questions. And while I'm here with you, I am, I can rest easy knowing that yeah. D is getting back to people. D is answering questions. And then D tells me, she's like, Jen, here's where you need to show up. Here's where you need to be. Show up. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget to show up. Yes. <laughs> having a great assistant. 
So I actually, there's two questions I'd like to end with. So let's jump over to this other one. It says, how do you create a work culture that is malleable? Oh, actually, you know what? That's not the one I want to start with. Let's go back. Okay. Okay. How can you get started in a field with no experience if you can't afford to take a non-paid internship? So I am a um, forever learner. I'm a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and and what I pride myself on today is that I'm able to go and learn about these amazing things and people want to pay me to find out what I've learned. And I and we and we have to begin thinking about businesses in that way, that there's something that you're passionate about and you just continue educating yourself in it and then people are paying you for that knowledge or that expertise and so with that in mind if you don't um, some of us have a lot of experience just through what we've learned we just haven't quite figured out a way to package that into something that somebody else wants to pay for Mm -hmm. now some people um, are trying to build an audience and so something is something as simple as um, creating, um, um, giving out free value to mm-hmm. build up your audience and then eventually begin selling to that audience is very important. I, I, that's, that's exactly how this business, um, really came to be. Cause there's, I have experience in recruiting. I had to become a, a learner, a lifelong learner in specifically diversity recruiting, and so the way in which I learn things, I learn it from like, teach me like I'm a kindergartner. I am the person that's like, I'm completely okay if you talk to me like I'm a five-year-old so that I can get the information, right? Right. Because, because the way in which I teach other people, they're like, I never, nobody ever taught it to me so easily. Yeah, because I learned it that easily. So I'm going to teach mm-hmm. you that. So And so by giving out that information for free through our newsletters, through our email distribution list. Eventually, um, once I started uh, selling things, people started saying, yeah, yeah, I want that. And then you start building it up one by one by one. You gain experience through putting yourself out there. Okay. Okay. Um, This is actually a question I've touched on a lot. I'm talking about introverts and extroverts. So I want to see how you answer this one. It says, how do you best navigate a more extroverted workplace as an introvert? Yeah. Wait, did you, did you know I was an introvert? No, I didn't know, but so am I. And a lot of people think I'm an extrovert. So yes, yes. I am a whole introvert in every, in every word of it. And one of my best friends is an extrovert and her daughter is an extrovert. And so I'm trying to help my best friend understand just how her daughter shows up. So it's like, as an introvert, I don't want to go to your events, but I want to be invited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> but I want to be invited yeah so, um I always so, say I have JOMO so instead of fear of missing out I have the joy of missing out <laughs> yes yes especially if I'm the one that's saying no thank you right. I know how to say no in a hot second in a yeah. hot no thank you but um <laughs> so so I'm a whole introvert navigating an extrovert's world um mm-hmm. and so the, the the biggest factor there is understanding that the only difference between introverts and extroverts is how we get our energy. As an introvert, Mm -hmm. 
I have to be to myself. I have to go into seclusion to build up the energy so that I can go back out in the world and, you know, and deliver and show up. Extroverts tend to get their energy from being in crowds, from being around people. And so it works for them that way. And being an introvert doesn't mean that I'm shy. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, just just shy. No, I'm not a shy person. Afraid to speak. Yes, I haven't heard all those. I can give a whole presentation in front of a whole audience, but the difference is when I leave that stage, I'm about to be in hibernation for the next 24 hours. (laughs) Right. Yes. Right. And and we pride ourselves on -on one-on-one conversations like this because it doesn't take as much um, energy. Mm -hmm. So especially when I was managing recruiting teams, because recruiters tend to be more extroverts. They're like, how is that leader an introvert? Because you can, you you can 1000% do that, but you have to understand. So to answer that specific question, how do you navigate? It's in self-care. So if you know that you're an introvert and you lose a lot of energy when you're in crowds, you have to make sure that you account for the time that you need to build that energy back up within you and so that you're not depleted and so that you're not as easily burnt out and stuff. And so it's just adding more to the self-care regimen. Okay. And then lastly, how do you create a work culture that is malleable for all personality types and backgrounds? Yeah. I read something somewhere that's like, if you create an environment that benefits your most vulnerable populations, everyone wins, right? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so if you begin thinking about who are our most vulnerable populations and what can we do to ensure that this environment feels inclusive even to them, then everyone benefits from that. Okay. And that, I think that's the easiest way for me to explain that. Yeah, it's, um, yeah I'll, I'll just leave it there. That's the easiest way for me no, to explain No, I think that's a great way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, it was so great talking to you. I You gave me much more than I even expected. It was amazing. Um, the one thing I did not find in my research was that you were an introvert, but you were speaking my language there a lot. <laughs> Uh, can you let everyone know where they can find you, your website, your social media? Well, I appreciate you. So, um, and thank you for having me today. So I'm nice. at jennifertardy.com. And, um, and if anyone's ever interested in, in just my style or our style of coaching, we do have inner circle. So you just click on the job seekers and go to inner circle and be a part of that experience. And if you're looking for free resources, we give so many free resources Um, specifically on YouTube, we have our career success channel. And then on, um, we spend most of our time on LinkedIn because that's where our audience is. And so if you're looking for free resources, just um, follow us on those spaces and you can grab them. That YouTube channel is on fire, everyone. So I will make sure everything is in the episode notes. And then uh, I would love to end with this question. And it is if you have one mantra that you like to live by, whether it has to do with your consulting work or just life in general, if you can please share that with the audience. Let's see. I am enough. And I, and I think that, that that is so important. Mm-hmm. And even me, as much as I'm doing career coaching and things like that, I have to remind myself that in spaces where I'm procrastinating, 
it's likely because I don't feel like I'm enough in that space. Mm -hmm. And so, and so sometimes I have to even say to me, Jennifer, you are enough. Just get to it. 